Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee and this is the Autosport Podcast. And breathe. Wow, what a hectic end to the British Grand Prix. Carlos Sainz drove to his maiden Formula One win in a stunning British Grand Prix. Max Verstappen led twice, once being demoted because of an early safety car on lap one, which would take the grid back to their original order, and a second time losing the lead after striking debris after he had pressurised Sainz into an unforced error, and he took the lead. Red Bulls, Perez fought a hard race to come back through the pack, from losing his front wing early on. But good race pace and a late safety car uh, helped him to score a second position. Home hero Lewis Hamilton makes it 13 Silverstone podiums as he came third. At one point leading the race with a 19-second gap over the Ferraris who had stopped earlier than him. But that late safety car perhaps hurt him and he was denied a win. Charles Leclerc only finished fourth with his wounded Ferrari. Many saying, though, it was the team who stuck the knife in today. Alonso and Norris followed him home and Verstappen drove his damaged Red Bull to seventh. They damaged limitation exercise today in what I think is the drive of a champion, but we'll get to that in a bit. Zhou Guan Yu suffered a horrific crash at the start uh, with his car rolling 
and ending up between the tech pro and the catch fencing before the crowd. Uh, the follow-up shunt would send Alex Albon to Coventry Hospital via helicopter. As of recording, he has been released, saying, I'm very glad that everyone else involved in the first lap incident is OK. Thank you to the medical staff at the track and the hospital, if you'd switched off the coverage and were wondering. I'm joined today. That was a long intro, but we needed it. I'm joined today by the editor of uh, Ultrasport.com, Hayden Cobb, and we're joined by royalty on the podcast tonight because the main man is in the house. Chief editor Kevin Turner is gracing us with his presence today. It's the British Grand Prix, Kev, so uh, we're wheeling you out for this one. So much to talk about, but first of all, I mean, where, Kevin, where do you want to start? We have to start with Science winning his first race after the 150th attempt and winning from pole. So, on paper, an easy win for Science, but it was nothing even close to that, actually. But let's get your first thoughts on the events of today. Well, first of all, I don't think I can live up to that intro, but thanks very much anyway. Um, but what a, gr- what a great race to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. What a, what a great race to um, have to talk about. I think it's probably been the, the race of the season. And it's a really feel-good result, isn't it? I don't think there are many people that begrudge Carlos Sainz finally getting that first Formula 1 victory. He's been so close, so many signs. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out that there were three races that he'd lost by 1.2 seconds or or less. Um, so it's, you know, I think, as we'll get on to a bit later, he probably ended up being quite fortunate to win despite starting on pole and ended up winning. Um, but I think everyone, you know, it's it's a feel-good result uh, and it's great that he's now not part of a top 10 list that I'm putting together, which is the top 10 best F1 drivers that didn't win a Grand Prix. So he can now be taken off that. So that's one, uh, one less driver I have to worry about. He will certainly uh, sleep very well tonight. I actually watched the race uh, because of a family birthday at uh, my brother's place and my sister-in-law said to me, oh, well, it's a really popular win as he was on the, uh, the top step and the crowd were cheering. Why is that? And I said, well, because he's just a good guy and the, the fans love Carlos Sainz. And I tried to, she glazed over when I was going into other reasons, like he used to race for a British team. There was a bit of a bromance between the two drivers. They were called Carlando. She didn't want an answer that long, really. She was just being polite, asking about Formula One. Uh, but it was a feel-good podium and the Brit fans did love to see him on the top step. Uh, surely they would have loved to have seen Hamilton or Norris up there or Russell uh, uh, as well. But Hayden, do you uh, do you get the same feeling that it was a, a feel-good good podium today i do yeah i think outside of the the home heroes uh the, the british drivers uh, and albon i would say probably carlos Sainz is, is probably one of the most popular drivers out of the for the british fans in that sort of non non-home hero uh category but um yeah like you say he's got connections obviously he used to race for mclaren he had, gave a good touch of sort of when he was racing in 2010 in formula bmw that he won his first ever race at silverstone so had a had an affinity to the place so we're sort of uh, 12 years on, look at me now type thing. And yeah, I mean, win- winning for Ferrari for any driver must be fantastic. But to do it at an icon- iconic place like Silverstone, it really sort of, yeah, a feel-good factor and, and a, a, might- a mighty achievement for him. And and, and I think he, he, he drove well on the whole. He did admit that sort of first stint when the race restarted after the red flag that he was struggling a bit. And then indeed it did look like the clerk had, had the pace on him. But um well, the, the safety car came his way. The strategy came his way, whether intentional or, or not in the clerk's uh, misfortune. But he, he made the most of it and, yeah, grabbed it. Grab, grabbed the opportunity by both hands by basically dismissing Ferrari's failed sort of plan B type strategy of, of helping the clerk. And went, no, I've, I've got to look out for myself here and I've got to win this race for Ferrari. And, and, and he did. And 
and like you said, he got pole position in the wet, beating the likes of Leclerc and Verstappen, who are particularly good in qualifying and in wet qualifying. So I think he can yeah, leave Silverstone extremely happy with how his race weekend went and generally how he performed. Because, yeah, the start of this year, he had he had some struggles. He held his hands up with sort of the handling of this car and, and the new regs. But, um, yeah, he, he made the most of his opportunity and and certainly delivered. I've been trying to work out, the since the race finished, the order to structure the podcast tonight. There's so much to talk about, but... You know, dear listener, I want to take you on the journey of this of this podcast. And so I think we have to that we we'll get to a lot of stuff tonight, but I think we have to start with Ferrari. Now we've got a massive shunt to talk about, two big crashes, the, the you know, the lap one, we've got Max Verstappen to talk about, we've got all the other drivers, but I think we just need to get straight in to Ferrari. And I'll offer the case for the defense, or rather uh, you know, maybe prosecution on Carlos Sainz. Yeah, he got pole yesterday, but only by I haven't got it written down. 0.72, I think. Listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. Max wasn't happy with the car. He caught some yellows. And it was generally not a great performance by Max in qualifying. He pressured... Carlos Sainz got swallowed up on the first start today. And then when they had the restart uh, because of the incident, uh, he uh, he did well and he kept the lead. But again, unforced error, pressured off by Verstappen, who at that point I thought was going to just scamper away in, into the lead. It, it was a brilliant race win and everyone's feeling good about his first race win. But I put this question yesterday to Codders and Alex on our live podcast and said, all right, your Ferrari team management... What do you do tomorrow if Carlos Sainz is in front of Leclerc? And I wasn't being particularly clever with that question, even though you know it actually happened. And it's the biggest talking point today because you could see it coming a mile off. And both Codders and Alex said, it's a really horrible situation for Carlos because he's a cracking driver. But if you're up against a team like Red Bull, and there's been seasons where Mercedes have had you know the luxury of letting Nico and Hamilton just fight. But if you're in a battle with another team, who are solely about Verstappen, you have to prioritise Leclerc because he's stunning. All right, that was a long setup, and I feel like I should let the experts have their say. Kev, ah, Ferrari today, what do you make of their strategy decisions? Shambles. Oh, probably the way I would. Honestly, how many times did they lose the race for Leclerc? Let's have a look. So, okay, yeah, he had a, he had a spin yesterday, which kept him off pole. So obviously that's that's on him. That was the conditions. But then in the race, so I think all the time you've got science leading Verstappen and Leclerc third. That's fine. Science falls off, gives Verstappen the lead. At that point, you get him out of the way because he'd he'd lost his footing. The next couple of laps weren't great. Leclerc looked faster. Like your championship rivals heading off down the road. Like at that point, you get him out of the way. No, they didn't do that. And then they they got lucky. Verstappen picked up the damage. I think he'd have walked away with the race anyway, actually, but. He picked up the damage, and that took him out of the equation. So you think, brilliant. Ferrari have got... Perez is already, has already pitted. Verstappen's out of the equation. You've got a one-two. Your quicker guy is the championship contender anyway. Let's, uh, let's, let's swap that around nice and early and get on with it. No, still nothing. Oh, this, this Lewis Hamilton bloke, he's quite good. Mercedes looked quite quick. Once he got clear of Norris, he's coming at them. One of the, apart from possibly Verstappen, the one person you don't want having a sniff of victory when you're running one and two in the wrong order is a seven-time world champion, and they just let him close, and they did, and they and they kept them in that order before the stops, and it was clear that Leclerc was being held up, and they even kept it after the stops. They brought science, and you think, right, 
Can Leclerc jump him? But obviously, because of the tyre degradation versus the new tyre, he didn't jump Sainz. And they then wasted more laps after the pit stop. And Hamilton was getting quite close to getting a big enough lead to be able to jump them. He didn't quite manage it, of course, but he wasn't a million miles away because he was quicker than Sainz, even after the tyre change, whereas Leclerc was faster. So even before we get to the safety car decision to not put him on soft tyres... I think that they've yeah, they've not treated Leclerc like the number one. He just is. And I find it ironic. It's 20 years since Ferrari's very controversial Austrian GP swapped round with Mark Schubacher and Rubens Barrichello. But it's all about context. In that, that season, the Ferrari was clearly the quickest car. Michael was already winning the championship by miles, and it seemed a bit unnecessary. It seemed a bit of a kick in the teeth for Barrichello that was unnecessary. This time, you've already lost Leclerc... So many points. I've had. I've totted it up. If you include today, Ferrari either through reliability or strategy blunders have cost Leclerc eighty four points. So can we can we work out those eight? Because uh, those eighty four. Because he is now forty three points behind his rival Max Verstappen. So can we work out those eighty four? Theoretical. We, we can. Well, well, some of them, some of them aren't theoretical points because he retired from two race leads. So that's fifty points. He had a back row start so, in, in Canada. So how many are you assigning to his Canada so, penalties? So, tw- so twenty five in Spain yeah. when he would have won, thirteen in Monaco yeah. for finishing fourth when he should have won, eighteen in Azerbaijan because I think he, I don't think he would have caught uh, Verstappen, but I think he would have beaten Perez. Yep, fifteen in Canada because I think the fact that science got that close to winning, Leclerc would have been away and gone. And 13 today. So I think that's 84. He's 43 behind. Verstappen actually lost 55 points due to reliability problems early in the year. So in a perfect season, they're really close. (laughs) Um, And given given Red Bull's problems early on in the season, Leclerc should still be leading the the title. That's not a criticism of Verstappen. That's merely saying that that's the points that Ferrari, either through unreliability or the blunder... I mean, we haven't even got to the big blunder, which is leaving him out on hard tyres... Uh, which we'll get to a bit later. So I I must admit, I mean, uh, Benotto, I've got a lot of time for. I think he's a really good team manager. Think how far away they were in 2020, how far back down the grid they were. They've done an amazing, amazing effort to get back to the front and be fighting for a championship. So respect for that. But some of the decisions I do find quite astonishing. And he said about hindsight, uh, but I was screaming at the television both before and after the first pit stops. And I think this relates to the point that we've made quite a few times in this podcast, po- podcast uh, post-race, is Ferrari need to be perfect to beat a and red Bull combination in with the pace that that car and that driver currently has. And yeah, as we said previously, when they're not perfect, they're leaking points here, then everywhere. Kev's just perfectly illustrated exactly where and when so far this season. And yeah, again, it's it's all down to, to strategy and a few quite obvious errors. Um, I, I, do you want to go on to the the, the Ocon triggered safety car that that sort of decided it in the end? So or? yeah, let, let's move on to that then. In that there was a period of the race where they were letting them race, and so you've got Carlos Sainz leading and give, being given target lap times. You got Charles Leclerc driving a damaged Ferrari, losing. They said five points of downforce from losing his end plate um, on the incident with, did he hit Verstappen or Perez? Anyway, so um, so clearly then they pitted and Hamilton's leading the British Grand Prix 
from by 17 seconds, 17 and a half, 18 seconds, 18, 3, 18, 6, 19. I think it got as high as 19 seconds and Hamilton hadn't pitted. And at that point, you're, you're wondering how long can... So Hamilton's out on medium tyres and they'd done a ton of laps. He wasn't the only one doing a long stint on the mediums, uh, but... He was still making them work. A slight vibration, said Hamilton over the radio, but he was making them work. The Ferraris were fighting each other. So you you are, at that point, risking your two drivers having an incident, coming together, losing both, both drivers. Admittedly, during the stops, Leclerc couldn't jump signs. So again, offering the alternative view, he, you know, he had a damaged car, but he still couldn't jump signs through that pit stop series. But at that point... Uh, after Hamilton uh, had stopped, had a slow stop as well, didn't he? Because the front left, I think, was 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 slow. Ocon had his uh, fuel pump failure, I think it was. Correct me if, if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Stopping outside the national pits. And again, you know, it's easy sitting here, isn't it? Uh, being armchair experts. But scre- talking about screaming at the TV, uh, Kev, when you see a car stopping... At that part of the track, there is no way you can get marshals anywhere near it. It was it was stuttering. I now understand it. If it was a fuel pump issue, it was stuttering. You're like, oh, can he get it, you know, round and get it into a, a safe place? But he couldn't. The minute that happens, that's not even a VSC. That is a full safety car. You can't put marshals on the track. They got it off quickly. But what are Ferrari doing? Not pitting. Even both the, of the three the, the, uh, scenarios they had: pit Leclerc, pit Science, pit both, oh, pit neither. Four scenarios. They chose the only one that really hurts their title. They they actually hurt their their title guy, Kev. Well, I, I spoke to Alex Kalinorkas, who we've got at the track, who's uh, running around speaking to everyone uh, to get his insight on this before before coming in. And 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 basically, we think that Leclerc was at Stowe when the safety car was called. Uh, but as you say, I think it was clear as he was gr- as Ocon was grinding to a halt down the old start finish straight that it was going to be there was no way that was going to be anything other than a safety car so they should already have been having that conversation now as i understand it that the Benotto's uh, argument was we don't think that we can stack both cars uh, and uh, leclerc's tires were fresher than sciences and he had more to lose because he was in the lead so we kept him out now Yes, I suppose that that is that's your case of the defence that you were mentioning before, but I just think so many it was it was so obvious to so many teams and so many drivers that they just you were only as, as soon as one of the two, it was very likely that one of those top cars was going to throw the dice and do that, but you know Hamilton was going to, so you might as well bring your guys in, uh, and Leclerc had more pace than Science. So there was a reasonable chance that if he'd found himself behind someone on old tyres, he could have overtaken. Let's face it, the overtaking move of the season forevermore, I suspect, will be Leclerc going around the outside of Lewis Hamilton on older tyres at the end of the race. So he was uh, fully capable of overtaking. So, yeah, they should have they should have brought him in, but they left him out as a sitting duck. And, uh, and he's got another fourth place, same as Monaco's. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Got a fourth place where he, he should have won. 
I, I should have pointed out, I'm trying to keep my questions shorter today uh, and let you guys speak, but I should have also pointed out uh, that the reason Leclerc was in front is because they did eventually do some formation flying and swap the drivers around lap 31 for lap 32 time. So that is why, in case you were listening, and, you're, hang, hang on a minute, and, hang on a minute. And, and- and to be fair, science did what they asked each time. They asked him for a target lap time, uh, and he and and if he couldn't do it, he knew what was going to happen. And when they did finally ask him, he did get out of the way. The only thing he, he railed against was much later on with the safety car thing, which I think was entirely entirely fair from his perspective. But he wasn't really messing about. When he was allowed to fight, he was just defending his position, which he's entitled to do. It was Ferrari's pit call to make to say we need to swap these cars around now. And it should have happened at you know, lap 16, 17, whatever it was, not lap 32. I've never heard of a, a safety car restart, a driver being told to stay 10 car lengths behind. And I know why they would say, give him a chance to go get his used hard tyres. They didn't say this, but that would be the implied message. Warm, hold off the drivers behind. And they were asking Carlos Sainz, and I've never, I've maybe if it has happened before, I haven't heard it before. I've heard, <laughs> stay within 10 car lengths, don't get us in trouble. But I've never heard, can you drop back 10 car lengths and let your teammate scamper down the road? That, which of course, Carlos was like, no, absolutely not. Hayden, um, how are you reading that, that whole situation around the safety car restart? Well, it's like the opposite of the Verstappen rule from last year. I mean, you had him getting too close to the cars he's directly ahead of, and now they're trying to get him too far away. It's very odd. And yeah, it, it was clearly a half-baked last minute, oh, how do we help Leclerc now that we've like messed up his uh, end of this race? This is the only car we've got left. And Carlos Sainz quite rightly said, no, because that would just compromise my race. This is the decision you've made for Leclerc strategy. We go with it. Yeah, to, to, to swing back very quickly to when the safety car's on. Yeah, I've seen the onboards and you're correct there. Uh, Leclerc is coming out of Stowe and they've timed it roughly about six seconds from the safety car being called to him going past pit entry. So six seconds of decision time is enough, you would say, to go right how we do this and also there was a big enough gap between the two under safety car conditions they could have double stacked them like if, if if they wanted to they could because the drivers around them were at safety, safety car conditions like speed so it, i just feel like that, that excuse also didn't really fly but anyway so yeah that trying to help out leclerc as much as they could just just not clever strat- not even a strategy it's just a last minute oh pitch and panic Oops. so oh, yeah yeah <laughs> Yes, uh, I sort of think, yeah. yeah, Signs was almost right in going, guys, like, let's not make this worse than it needs to be. And, and he was on it. So. Kev, can you give some insight? Because we can see the, you know, the downloads of our podcasts go up, Netflix, etc. We think new people are coming in following Formula One who might not be, you know, uh, they're still sort of learning the details of the sport. Kev, can you kind of explain, you know, like the strategists and the, the team... Uh, managers, they as, as a race goes on, right? They've got the kind of mission controls back at their headquarters. But at any one point in any race, they've got these kind of scenarios worked out. Like if a safety car was called now, what would we do? If the, if a safety car is called in five laps, what would we do? So Ferrari, as a professional team, have got a scenario worked out. If a safety car is called now, there's twelve laps to go. Low fuel. Do we go softs? Like that? They, they have those if not pre-planned before the race, constantly through the race, working out what would we do if, and, you know, 99 times out of 100, they never use that plan. Um, but why on earth, are, how, how is Ferrari again under this microscope of, 
of making a decision that makes all of us scratch our heads and then after the race go, we have not made a decision that makes you scratch your heads. Like, I, I don't understand it. Uh, well, I mean, I suspect they don't either because that's <laughs> how they got themselves into the situation again. But no, you're right. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be at the uh, the McLaren headquarters in in Woking, and they've you know they've got and um, obviously all the all the teams will have their own equivalent. Uh, and you've got a big screen where you can see where all the cars are, and you can put all sorts of graphics on. So, for example, you can put uh, you know coloured lines from where your cars are going back. Uh, the length of the pit stop so that you can see when cars are coming in and out of that window and yes we can pit them on this lap because there won't be anyone in that window all sorts of stuff like that and they've got banks of banks of engineers and technicians and strategists looking at all this sort of stuff um so it is surprise so six seconds doesn't sound very much does it you know in in normal life what what can you do in six seconds that's not a lot but you know when you're talking about you, know, you were right 72 thousandths of a second was the difference at the front of the grid in qualifying you know f1 is used to dealing in these minuscule quick reaction and let's face it red bull get these sorts of things right most of the time uh and ferrari need to need to be able to do that as well um, I think that the team order switch was maybe a reluctance to get science out of the way. They want to be seen to be being fair. With this one, I think they've just overthought it. I think with the safety car thing, they've just, they've just overthought it and uh, not made the right call. Um, but yeah, it does make you wonder. Um, it, well, it'll be very interesting to know, but we'll probably never find out. Were there people at Ferrari going, bring Charles in now, we need Charles in now, 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 and they just went, mm, uh, no, no, we don't think so. Yeah. I mean, there's that's where you won't need Netflix. Fly on the wall in those sorts of meetings for, Absolutely. for the drivers' five. Mm. Yeah, none of this and signs playing golf after winning, whatever, or something like that that will happen. We need them in the Ferrari debrief. A clerk looking steely over the monitors, looking at like Pinotto and and signs and going, "How has this happened? How does this keep happening? Keep going wrong?" Because yeah, you're right. You're right. In theory, Ferrari should have people and data to say. That, that what is the best strategy and if they're going against that because of they're worried about double stacking and making errors there then then they need to look at their procedural approach of saying no you need to have confidence that you can double stack in this situation like they, they, these are the things that win championships and win races we've talked about it plenty of times and yeah they're still getting them wrong that that's the key word you've used there i think hayden confidence they didn't have the confidence to say to carlos early on you need to get out of the way it's charles's turn now you've fallen off far in the lead and they didn't have the confidence to go we can double stack this uh, and we can get these guys both in and out okay you know you see red bull do it you see mercedes do it and they and they should have they should have backed themselves and actually some of their pit, i know they've had a couple of bad pit stops but they've also had some mega ones you know, last year they were very good on their pit stops as well. Like Ferrari aren't they're not they're not the shambles of old where, you know, Ferrari pit stops used to be a bit of a comedy act. Like they are they're a proper operation. They should have backed themselves to go, we can we can do this and bring these these guys in. Is that because Ferrari are trying to employ two if not if not two number one drivers, two drivers that are that are quite equal in, in talent, but clearly one is better. Yeah, I don't think they are. I think that we saw again today, even with a bit of damage to his car, Leclerc was actually significant. And I, and don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of, of Carlos, and I think he's done a good job there, and he's des- he deserves a Grand Prix win. But Leclerc is mega. Leclerc is one of the top mega three or four up there with you know, Lewis, Max, and George Russell. Like that, They are the guys, and they're going to be winning races and championships the next few years. Well, I mean, until Lewis retires. Uh, and I don't. I think science is just a fraction off that. He hasn't quite been able to get his head around this car. 
you know, he's frustrated. You know, he's frustrated that he can't quite do what Leclerc has done. I know there's been a lot of talk about, you know, he was good in Canada. He's won this Grand Prix. Will he now step up a bit? I- I'm not convinced that he will. I just think that he, you know, he will have a bit more confidence and hopefully he'll loosen up and not maybe make as many mistakes. But I still think that Le- Leclerc has been absolutely phenomenal this year. His qualifying performances in the dry in particular, I think, have flattered the Ferrari's raw pace. Uh, but actually, in the in the races, his gap over sites has tended to be bigger, for all the reasons I'm sure that Lewis Hamilton always used to extend his advantage over Bottas when they were alongside each other. Um, so no, I don't think it's a case of they've employed the wrong drivers. I think the Ferrari driver lineup is really good, um, and it's it he, science is close enough to give Leclerc a bit of a push, and that's what you want in your your number two. I think their problem is they're just not willing to call him a number two. Is it because Ferrari is? about Ferrari ultimately you know the flags will be flying outside Marinello they won the race like they'll go away being like Ferrari won today is it too much focus on that whereas I think Red Bull will happily admit all eggs in Max's basket they are you know uh, Max for team Max Verstappen powered by Red Bull is, is that their problem feasibly it's an interesting dynamic and that is the nature of the beast with these two teams you sort of and what they're looking to do. I, th- I think also you've got to remember, obviously, in recent years, Red Bull have been fighting for and winning titles much more regularly and frequently than, than Ferrari. And, and that sort of goes back to that, remembering how to... They, they, Ferrari clearly know how to win races. They, they won this afternoon. But it's that consistency, it's that confidence mentioned earlier to, to, to string it together to be a title. And obviously, as we know, it's quite a while since Ferrari won um, a world championship of of any of any sort in Formula One. So, yeah, it's I think it's it's an intricately connected things of, of many layers of that. Leclerc himself is yeah, he's a, you can you can count how many wins he has uh, on a couple of hands. So again, is is, is he? really ready to fight for a Formula 1 world title. I think the quality's there and I think, yeah, he can. But this is the whole sort of Ferrari in their current state are in a very similar position of like, are we actually a championship tough fighting team when Mm. we have the opportunity? You could say that about Red Bull, particularly with Verstappen. You could say that about Mercedes. Granted, their car is not quite up to scratch at the moment. You probably can't say it about any other team and I would include Ferrari in that right now. They have the opportunity to turn it around but this afternoon has been a sort of point and proven that particularly when they're fighting for a number one driver, they haven't got it together, mm. which is disappointing really because ultimately at the end of this championship, if the points gap is still as big as it is now, yeah, Ferrari aren't going to have a sniff towards the end of the year. They're not They're not going to be able to even get it down to the final race. So mm. yeah, they need to get it together and get it together faster. Really. Okay, well look, hang on there. Quick thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Surfshark VPN. Now, can you imagine watching Formula One and the drivers weren't wearing helmets? Of course not. And if you're surfing the internet without your VPN connected right now, you're doing basically the same thing. This isn't the days of Grand Prix racing where a little leather cap and some goggles was expected to protect you in the case of a big shunt. And yet, if you're surfing the internet right now without your VPN connected, you're basically doing that. What is a VPN? It acts as a shield. It hides your IP address. And that is the thing that tells everything on the internet exactly where you are. So what you do online stays private. Now, I don't know what to, I don't want to ask what you do online. There's lots of stuff 
that you want to keep private, from personal banking to even the news stories you're reading, even streaming some shows. Say you're about to go abroad on holiday maybe this year and you're into a box set and you can't live without this box set right now and you arrive on holiday and oh, you can't watch it because the IP address is a different country. Connect your VPN and boom, you're away. If you use your VPN, you can virtually travel the world from the comfort of your own home and you can pick a hundred different countries you choose with Surfshark. And we are so happy they're back to sponsor another one of the Autosport podcasts. And if you've been thinking about it and thinking, oh, maybe I should do this or do it today. Get yourself a VPN. I use Surfshark VPN. It gets me access to different commentaries and my favourite sporting events. You can find your favourites on streaming services like Netflix, Hulu and Disney+. And sometimes even I'm reading a news story and because of the whole European data GDPR stuff, an American website won't show me. That's okay. I've got my Surfshark VPN connected to a US IP address and I can read that interesting news story because I'm allowed to. You can try it today risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can get Surfshark VPN right now. If you use our code, like you know how this works by now, you use our code, it helps us to grow the podcast and we'll carry on making these shows for you. Get Surfshark VPN right now at surfshark.deals slash autosport. And you must use the promo code autosport. You get 83% off and three extra free months. That's right. Three free months extra. That is surfshark.deals slash autosport. Really appreciate you using our code. It really helps us out. If you enjoy listening to this podcast for free, a little way that you can say thank you to us. All right, let's get back to the show. I know I'll wheel out. I love a good cliche on this podcast. You know, you don't win world championships on your good days. You win them on your bad days. And it's why in the intro I said, I think it was a champion's drive from Max Verstappen because, you know, Kev, uh, ironically, it was the damage caused by... Sonoda and Gasly being clumsy, the AlphaTauri team inflicting damage on Red Bull. But either way, he still managed to only lose a six-point gap to his title rival. Uh, Kevin, on Verstappen today, uh, can you rate his race? Two things I would raise. I think the, the first one is I don't think that it, I mean, we'll, and and they yeah, Red Bull may work this out in the day in the next few days. Is how much did he give away when he was first getting that problem? Uh, because he he looked like he he you know was going really quite slowly, and I guess when you first don't know what the problem is, that's fair enough. But it just made me think of Alonso hauling a Renault around a few years back with bits of car missing and floor off and all the rest of it, and and absolutely on it and just driving around the problem. And I I didn't get the impression that Max was doing that in the middle part of the race. But you know, fair enough. He got, once they got on the radio and said, "Look, this is what you've got. It will get to the end." I think he then went right, okay, and now I'm into back into proper Max Verstappen mode. My main concern, the reason I was sort of questioning your champion's drive thing, because you're right to say that you win your championships on your bad days as much as your good days, uh, is the way that he treated Mick Schumacher in the closing stages. If you're fighting for a championship and someone in a quicker car is, well, uh, on the outside at Brooklands uh, and on the inside of the last corner and you shop the jaw like that, like if that had been his dad, if that had been Mick's dad, Max is in the wall because Michael would go on. Well, you're fighting for a champion, mate. I'm leaving my nose in. But Mick was Nick. Mick obviously really great that he's got his first points. I think he deserved it. We've been waiting for it. You know, lovely guy. But I think he was a bit too nice on that last lap. Max took advantage. And Alex uh, Gates sent me a quote from Max after that. 
and he said in that last corner, he's like, now he has to back off, otherwise we'll both be out, but he was smart enough. It's like, you shouldn't be leaving it to an experienced guy to be smart, to back out of the crash that you're saying you're prepared to have when you're the one fighting for a championship. I find that absolutely astonishing. So, yeah, it looks great now he's got those points, but imagine if he'd binned it with Mick on that last lap and given away those points. That's just not thinking like a... That's, that's not thinking like, you know, championship points. And that's the first time we've seen that this year because Max has been really good in wheel-to-wheel fights this year. I think he's been hard but fair, which is what we wanted to see last year. But I thought the way that he took the liberties with Mick was... Uh, was very bold, let's put it that way. It would have been a big oh. high-speed crash as well because he really did shut the door on him. And Mick wasn't up, you know, he wasn't up alongside him, but there was enough, it would have been front-wheel to rear-wheel contact, which would have been, you know, horrible. Hayden, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, I was, I was going to make a, a quick comment <laughs> to say I look forward to the social media response and various letters <laughs> sent in after that, given of the various topic that came up at the back end of last year. But... To be honest, yeah, I, I do agree. He, he took a bold move and almost relied on Mick's willingness to to, to bend to his to his will. Maybe yes, maybe he was smart enough to realise Mick needs these points potentially more than me. But you're right. If, if it would end up in the wall, then he would have been in in a bit a bit more trouble than uh, than he probably would have bargained for. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think what's interesting about the, the damage point, just to go back to that. So it sounds like yeah. Big damage in the floor. Obviously, with these cars and the Venturi tunnels, the floor is where you're getting performance out of anything currently. And there's a storm potentially brewing on these floors and flexi floors and all sorts of these buzzwords that we thought we'd got rid of with the flexi wings, but apparently not. Um, and to see the Red Bull's performance drop so dramatically, like he was literally about a second per lap off the pace initially thinking he had a puncture that's how much the car changed with a bit of floor damage like it proves that there's yeah these these are very intricate very detailed floors and as soon as a little bit goes wrong the rebel pace does does dip down now obviously he was still in the fight still racing but yeah that that's quite an intriguing thing that i'd be quite curious to see because at the well, as every car the tightly guarded secret of how the floor is set up and and, and keeps it sucked into the corners that is where rebel strength is currently so to lose that strength yeah makes the car then suddenly very ordinary so interesting but yes i i do think Verstappen himself almost sort of regained a bit of composure and realized oh the car isn't falling apart and i need to throw it in the wall it's uh it can still run perez i know he had front wing damage rather than floor but he he did demonstrate that with pit stop and get recovery you can fight through the field with this car and you can continue. So I, I think, yeah, looking at his teammate and how he recovered would have been a good lesson too. Yeah, yeah, this isn't a Monaco. This is a track where you can overtake. And so let's talk about Perez coming home second. Um, and again, I just think uh, a hard-working race for him. Got lucky with safety car, uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, having to pit very early for a new um, front wing, which seems to take longer than the old front wings uh, with these the kind of new aero bits, um, and so lost a, a ton of time. But uh, but was lucky with the safety car, uh, was lucky with pit stops. But it's one of those ones where you see a driver with a good car pit early and then be on a completely contra strategy. Um, you know whether it forces them into a two stop or a three stop, and you think actually I've seen this work out really well for drivers in the past. Kev, what's your thoughts on Perez today? I think he did a really good job. Funnily enough, my six-year-old son asked me after that pit stop, where, where do you think Perez will finish? 
I said, well, I reckon he'll get. I reckon he'll get back to fifth or sixth. So to get second. Yeah, fair play. I think he you know, he really stuck to his task. Actually, soon after his pit stop, of course, he was setting some fastest laps. I think if you extrapolate what Perez did to where we know Verstappen normally is in a um, yeah you know, on race pace, then that that was one of the things that gives me confidence to say. I think has if Max doesn't have that damage, Max wins the race comfortably. I think. Um, I, I think think the Red Bull probably would have had yeah. the race pace, but no, absolutely great, Definitely. great drive from Perez. Really good overtaking. We had some great. We had some great wheel-to-wheel action. Um, obviously, we had that brilliant moment where he was fighting Leclerc. They both ran each other off the road. Uh, Lewis nipped back through, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, uh, which was which was great. You could hear the cheers from the crowd. The the only the only criticism, and this isn't just applying to Verstappen, there was just a little bit too much of people running people off the track on the outside of corners today. Um, the first one, I think, was Lewis on Leclerc on the first lap, which Charles complained about. And I think mm, he wasn't quite far enough alongside, so it's probably okay. And Lewis then gave him room later anyway. Uh, that was on the first first start. Um, then Max did it, uh, Verstappen did it to Leclerc into Brooklands, which was a more marginal one. But you think, probably not mm. a penalty, but that was that was quite tight to be running him off there. Uh, and then when Perez went down the inside of, of Hamilton into the uh, the first proper braking zone, the right-hander, you know, Lewis was still pretty much alongside, and Perez drove him clean off the road. And I think at that point, Perez should have given him should have given him room. Um, I'm not saying necessarily I'd have given penalties to any of these because I think you no. want to encourage that. Lots of good racing, but I think there were a few. I think if I were if I were you know one of the one of the driver stewards or. Uh, or even a team boss, I might just have a little bit of a quiet word to say. Yeah, we were a bit, we're a bit marginal on a couple of those moves today, chaps. But um, we get away with it because Silverstone's got lots of nice runoffs to play with. And that's the thing; it was that move that Perez did on Hamilton at Village that was bold. But the cars were quite alongside each other, and and Perez didn't leave any room. I don't know whether in that in that situation you would apply you must leave a a car's width, you know, plus a little rule it, or not. Well, I think I think there's nothing wrong with the move. The actual move down the inside, absolutely fine. Lewis left him left him actually a surprising amount of room. I think actually, um, it was more that whenever you're on the outside, you kind of it's always a bit risky, um, and this is why it's very difficult to have a hard and fast rule about these things because it it all depends on the angle of the corner and how alongside the other car is on the outside as to whether you need to give them room or not. Um, and it's kind of a almost a it's, it's it's kind of almost a gut feeling, which is why it's good that there is there is a driver steward on on you know the stewarding panel these days. And my my gut feeling was that Perez was a, just a little bit little bit naughty there. I think uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, and he's that, usually a very clean racer. Yeah, that that one was the only sort of borderline one for me. And apart from that, just like how incredible was was that battle for the at the restart between yeah Leclerc, Hamilton, Perez, obviously signs. <laughs> can't believe it if he watches that race back he got got clear of them all and just cleared off into the distance <laughs> thank you very much you you guys can uh, scuffle behind me but yeah incredible racing and you, you've you got to say I think throwing in another context that's what these cars were delivered and hoped for and they really did do that like forget track limits and driver sort of overtakes and things like that they, they, they were able to do this do this in those cars that's what everyone wanted and everyone was able to follow so much closer than they ever were so big tick in the box for that I think we knew that already but we are we are seeing the benefits of these cars and, and yeah full credit full credit to to Formula 1 for, for, for helping that come 
come to fruition. Um, but yes, just just mega racing. But the only one that I was a bit borderline with, with was Perez on on yeah on Hamilton towards the end. But yeah, I mean that's that's where you want the action though. If, mm. if you start penalising everywhere and there, that's when it gets over regulated and we've had that before and it gets and it gets even more complicated and troublesome uh, no I, I i do agree and actually i that's a very good point hayden makes about the cars i think just now martin you said uh, it's not monaco it's silverstone whereas there's overtaking is possible but actually i've seen plenty of british grand prix at silverstone there have been absolutely dull processions because no one get close enough because of the because of the normally in high speed and medium speed corners is where you get the worst of the the dirty air, mm. as it were, which is what these ground effects cars were brought in to address, and and you have to say they've they've done that. We saw some brilliant overtaking. Okay, there was a lot of DRS as well, but um, it wasn't just that. There was some proper moves. I think the Silson layout changes have actually helped the racing as well um, with that extra extra section that takes you onto the national, yeah, the national straight as uh, as as old timers will remember it. Um, so yeah, I think it was it was some great great racing. It was fantastic to watch. I still think the move of the day was uh, Leclerc around the outside of Hamilton into cops on old tyres. And if Hamilton is more than an inch or two off the apex, Leclerc is having a very Max Verstappen twenty twenty one style yeah. uh, crash. <laughs> yeah, and I think the yeah. two the two and and Leclerc, you wouldn't do that to someone you didn't trust. It's a little bit like the famous. Mark Webber into a Rouge move on Fernando Alonso. He said there were only two drivers he would do that against Alonso and Jensen Button at the time, I think he said, because they're the ones that would just know the moment to, to back out of it. Um, and I thought that was some mm. absolutely fantastic race. And the only regret, really, is that the safety car deprived of a, d- deprived of us of Hamilton's charge. I think he'd have caught Sainz, probably overtaken Sainz, but I think Leclerc would have had too much in hand. So I think we'd have had a Leclerc, Hamilton, Sainz, podium without the uh, without the safety car ah you've beat me to my next question which was uh, <laughs> could Done, could could lewis hamilton <laughs> have won today because uh, i was gutted when that when that safety car came out because i was really looking forward to seeing with with lewis on a charge and and that mercedes package being an upgrade for silverstone but clearly not as good as the ferrari you know, could could he have won today by making the overtracks uh, overtakes on track? But so you you go, you're saying no, you're saying second. Um, could he have caught Leclerc? Front wing damage for Leclerc, losing downforce, had older tires. I don't know. Um, you, you know, you'd like to think it that would have been close. The fairy I tale. Think, you'd like to think for the fairy yes, tale for the crowd. Um, would it have been win 104? Oh, I don't know. And going on. Like talking about going back to strategies and and how the simulations would, would play out, which all the teams do, you guarantee that the Mercedes strategists would have known this is our best chance of winning, obviously, yeah. but um, it's going to be going to be mighty close. What did sort of hurt them, obviously, was that Hamilton pit stop that took yeah a couple of sec- seconds longer than it probably was projected and should have been, and with the with the added time loss of getting the hard tyres up to temperature and up to speed. Yeah, he just lost those critical seconds just in that pit stop sort of changeover. I think had he'd saved that and been in and around them, maybe not in head of them, but like right in the pack, yeah, he would have had obviously less time to gain up and fresher tyres. So it would have been a close one. And and you're right, maybe let's let's be a bit poetic about it. Maybe home race, hasn't won all season, the crowd cheering him on you know the yeah it, it, it could have happened but we'll never know and that is motor racing mm. <laughs> I, I think that that if you look at the the pit stops 
you know, uh, Sainz pitted on lap 20, uh, Leclerc 25, Hamilton 33. So, yeah, his tyres were eight laps fresher. Now, obviously, it depends often on the track and the tyres in use as to how significant that is. If it's on a soft tyre, a abrasive track, that's a huge amount. But Hamilton himself had proved how far into the stint um, the, 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 the medium tyre had been able to go without... You know, he was doing good lap times, even well into that stint. Uh, and I think on the on the hard tyre, an eight-lap difference around Silverstone would not have been significant. Leclerc was absolutely on it today. Leclerc and Hamilton, for me, were absolutely fantastic. Uh, and it was great to see Hamilton on a charge. And, and Ferrari's kind of indecision brought him into play much more than it should have done because Leclerc should have been away and gone. But I think once he was ahead of science, you could see that Leclerc and Hamilton actually were exchanging fastest laps. Well, you're never going to catch someone if you're taking it in turns to take the fastest lap. Plus, he still had to clear science. So, while mm. I agree, it would be it would have been a fantastic sort of poetic home victory, return to form. Mercedes are back, uh, and it would have been a fitting reward for such a fine drive. I just think Leclerc would have been too too strong. But as Hayden says. Uh, we'll never know for sure. Okay, I've got another question. Well, look, sit tight. First of all, though, a quick thanks to our podcast sponsor today, BetterHelp. And if you listen to this show for free, we really appreciate the sponsors on the air that get you this podcast every single race. And thanks to them, BetterHelp, this week, bringing the podcast to you. Can you imagine a Formula One driver that didn't get a new car rebuilt by their mechanics every time they had an accident, but a, a car that you had to use the entire season? They'd take more care of it, right? And now imagine a Formula One driver that had to use the same car their entire career. They'd take more care of it, right? But that's the same case with your brain. This is how our brains work. Why don't we treat them this way that this is what we've got for life? And actually, you need to take care of it. And that's where better help comes in. How we care for ourselves, how we care for our minds affects how we get through our lives. And there's loads of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language, taking power naps, just sleeping properly. And now, better help online therapy. Now, it's so important that you add people to your team. I remember years ago, I was talking to somebody who worked at Manchester United, and they were saying, you know what, who has the most trainers? David Beckham. Not because they can play football better than him, but he wants to know that when it really comes to it, when it comes to those key moments, he's got people on his team that he's been seeking advice, whether it's free kicks or penalties. Now, he adds people to his team, and yet he's the one taking the lead. Why shouldn't it be the same with your own health and your own mind? You need to add people to your team, and that's where better help comes in. In fact, therapy in general. Think of it as like adding people to team you. Well, BetterHelp is online therapy. It offers video, phone, even live chat sessions. Look, how you want to lead it, it's totally up to you. But add BetterHelp to your team. You haven't even got to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's way more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Think of it like an elite sports person, adding someone to their team to raise them to the next level. That's how I think of therapy, at least. It's not a weakness. You're simply seeking advice and knowledge from other people to make your life better. And, of course, you know how these things work. We've got a discount code. So if all of that sounds good and you're thinking, you know what, now is the time I'm going to do something about this, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash autosport. That's betterhelp.com slash autosport. That's betterhelp.com slash 
Autosport. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Working our way down a little bit, Alonso was one of those drivers that went really long um, and stopped on lap 34 and made the strategy work really well. Uh, got lucky again, like a lot of drivers got lucky with the with the safety car, bunched the pack up as well. And, and both he and Norris... Hung on. Norris was a little unlucky, didn't he? Lose a place in that in in that so they, in that shakeout. They, yeah, they pit, McLaren pitted Norris a lap too late under right. the safety car, so he cycled back behind Alonso, and because they're on equal tires, that was good night Woking. <laughs> Yeah, and Alonso's really easy yeah. to overtake as well, isn't he? So Lando must have gone, oh, well, that's curtains then. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks chaps. I mean, actually, he did thanks say post-race, didn't he, Lando, that he he almost wished he'd just made the call, um, which, of course, is something you could yeah, criticise yeah. the clerk for. Charles could have just said, I'm coming for soft, safety car. So, you know, it's yeah. not 100% on the team, but, of course, Lando and McLaren had a little bit longer to think about it than uh, than Ferrari and still got it wrong. So, you know, it wasn't just yes. uh, it wasn't just Ferrari's uh, Ferrari's mistake. Mm. But those, those two drivers, um, after the safety car restart, I thought hung on really well. In, in, and, of course, the drivers ahead of them, which was the Perez and Hamilton and Leclerc, were all fighting. I think it was one point, like four cars wide at one point. But, you know, those cars, they were able to hang on. It was, again, it was artificial because of the safety car, but a, a relatively quiet race for Alonso. But doing what he does really well and bringing the car home in fifth really really impressive and for for mclaren as well yeah they they didn't help um lando norris but that's definitely where you know lando is fighting for fifths and sixths at the minute with that car and, and hopefully coming away uh, you know reasonably happy ahead of max verstappen with all that that damage and daniel ricardo teammate in 13th on a day when there were six retirements though it's around this time of the season we talked about yesterday kevin on on the podcast I call it the Giovinazzi factor, which is around this time of the season. He could do, he's such a great driver. He just never showed it in the first half of seasons. And then he'd get himself a new contract and then he'd be really average again. But he's a really talented driver. Ricardo kind of doing the opposite right now. What, have you got any more insight? I know it's almost the weekly discussion about Ricardo. What's your opinion on what is happening there with him? Oh, I mean, I don't think he knows, does he? No. Um, he seemed really bewildered after the race. Uh, he just said he didn't have grip. He didn't feel like he had as much grip as the other cars around him, even. And the cars around him are quite a long way behind the other McLaren. Um, you know, last year we know it was because you know the particular characteristics of that car. He just couldn't get his head round, which worked up to a point. But of course, you know the top drivers do tend to adapt with whatever they've got. Alonso is a great example of that, actually. Uh, and and Verstappen and Hamilton, you know, the top guys always do that. And uh, the fact that it's it's bled into this season where the cars are completely different, you think a clean slate, and if anything, Ricardo's experience of different types of F1 car over the years would have helped him uh, get on top of it quicker than Norris. Yeah, I think he's he's in a really he's in a really bad place at the moment. And Norris is before. Yeah, no, for me, yeah. You know, at one point yesterday in qualifying, I think we had uh, we had uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Hamilton, Russell, and Norris in the top five. I was like, yep. Yeah, they're the top five drivers in the, in F1 at the moment, I think. Uh, and, you know, Norris is performing that well. Yeah. And so he's probably making Ricardo look worse than he is. But even so, you expect a, 
a Grand Prix winner and a good Grand Prix winner as well. You know, Danny Ricciardo topped our top 50 twice when he was at Red Bull. He saw off Vettel, four-time world champion there. He is and has been a mega driver. So, that, But there's just something not gelling with that car, whether it's set-up concept or something. And it's a real shame because Ricciardo's a, you know, he's a really likeable guy. He's a brilliant person to have in the paddock. And when he's on it, he creates fireworks on track as well. So uh, it's such mm. a shame to, to see him where he is. All right, um, we'll finish off with talking about the rest of the point scorers. So Mick Schumacher, first points in Formula One, very, very popular. Two Haas cars in the top 10 as well. Um, Mick finished ahead of his hero and mentor, Sebastian Vettel, uh, bringing the Aston Martin home nowhere near it should be. But again, like I say, six retirements. And Kevin Magnussen in the second Haas in 10th place. Hayden, that's a really popular uh, result for uh, for Mick Schumacher uh, today and, and an, yeah. an important one for him to get some points in his Formula One career. Oh, definitely. Like, as we mentioned earlier with his battle with Stappen, he, he probably on that last lap was really thinking, oh, <laughs> with risk reward, what, what yeah. is Gunther Steiner going to say if I do throw this up the inside on Verstappen and get punched into the wall and I've missed out on points and damaged the car again? Mm. I think that may have been playing in his mind. He thought, you know what? I'm going to bank this eighth place, pick up these points, and and and, li- and live to fight another day. Um, but yes, no, it was nice to to finally see that. Um, and and yeah, Vettel directly behind, probably trying to put a sort of push him on, encouraging him on in this sort of paternal figure that he has become to to Mick Schumacher. But um, yeah, no, a popular sort of end of points uh, set up for that. Um, I, I, did you want to talk about the start? We and need to. Else We've got happens? 10 minutes left. And let, let, <laughs> I was going to uh, say, let, I feel let's, like let's go back to the beginning. So I'll finish off. In 11th was Lance Stroll in the second Aston Martin. Nicholas Latifi in the Williams, but not the Williams with all the new bits in 12th. Danny Ricardo 13th. Yuki Tsunoda 14th. Um, uh, Esteban Ocon. Uh, uh, finishing uh, with a fuel pump, I think with fuel pump issue, uh, Pierre Gasly DNF, Valtteri Bottas, really bad day for Alfa Romeo, um, and a downturn for Bottas in, in his season after a, after a good start. George Russell uh, couldn't take the restart because his car was helped back to the pits with outside control. Uh, Alex Albon, who we've mentioned, now out of hospital, um, who was involved in a secondary accident, being shunted from behind by Vettel, which put him... It was this horrible, actually. really high speed. Um, one of those ones where you, you, you get spun into a concrete wall and then that spits you out and then two more drivers hit you and then and then joe uh which is uh, which is the big one we need to finish off talking about so so kevin uh just give us your thoughts first of all before we get into any other details on on watching that live well it was horrible wasn't it um and i yeah. don't think it was anyone's fault i think it was just one of those racing incidents where you've got obviously russell was slow off the line on the harder tire and it meant that cars were around him uh, and he got, he got. I think it was Gasly got his nose in there, and you could see on the onboard Gasly trying to get out of it because he can see what's about to happen, but he just can't get his front wheels out of the way quickly enough, and he clips Russell, and then Russell flicks, um, flicks into into Jude's car, and it's horrible the way. It's very unfortunate the way it just flicks it over enough, and I mean the roll hook looks like it's smashed to pieces. I mean obviously we'll we'll find out more I'm sure over the other uh, over the coming days, but it looks very much like another accident where the halo has saved a driver. Yeah, not very many years ago. I think that would have been a very horrible outcome. Um, but obviously, it then had a pretty scary ride through the gravel trap and flicked over the tyre wall. And I think, I know that Russell has raised the issue of the gap between the, the, the tyre wall and the fencing. 
Um, but I do wonder whether on that particular instance, the problem is the gravel trap. Is it better to have just tarmac out there, which is a, a debate that comes and goes over the years. Some, you know, uh, in di- different seasons, it's gravels in style. That's the safe thing. And then it goes back to being asphalt again. And I do wonder whether that's a conversation that needs to be had there. But main thing, of course, is... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. That everyone involved, um, you know, has ended up. I know the two drivers went to the hospital, but that everyone seems to be okay, which is the the main thing. Same thing happened in uh, not the same thing, but a big crash in F two uh, this weekend as well, where the halo once again. Uh, I think, you know, you, you can say saving someone's life, and it sounds almost glib, but I think saving someone's life in both in in, in both both cases, oh, and, and a complete freak, literally, yeah, uh, freak accident in terms of launching a car sideways which pitches it and you know you could say that the roll hoop wasn't there when you see pictures of of the car it's not but in a way did it do i think it's tested i was reading something after the race it's either tested to 13 or 10 tons in different directions like did that do its job is it meant to take a certain amount of force and then deform because it was the halo not the the roll hoop that that, that saved that saved him um Hayden, what's your, you know, sort of your, your takeaways now? We've had time to reflect. Yeah, I mean, very, very similar, like absolutely horrific to see. And thankfully, everyone is largely, largely okay. Almost, almost amazingly, they're actually okay because, yeah, as, as Kev said before, Halo, even, even just a few years ago, you do that same accident. It has, yeah, pretty serious outcomes and very, very unfortunate outcomes. The, yeah, in terms of the, <laughs> how the way the crash unfolded, it is one of those unfortunate ones where you you could almost try and do it, not that you'd want to, 10 more times and you'd have 10 different outcomes. Mm. Obviously, Zhu would still end up in a crash. They'd all have bits broken. But I don't think you'd ever see Zhu's car end up behind the tyre wall. It was just the way that, yeah, so the roll hoop, yeah, dug in a bit, hit the gravel, which seemed to get a bit, I don't know if it was deeper the further you go in. It's hard to, to say without going digging into it and then it yeah pitched itself just as it was about to reach the tire barrier which it, you rarely rarely sort of see but that's just one of the yeah one of those things and it sort of fell in between catch fence and tire barrier and wedged him underneath the car but yeah the the, the collective safety elements that are in these formula one cars the hands device all the various seat belts halo of course which gets obviously the the, the major plots in this one like they all worked and did their job to keep show safe and stay, like it, it literally is evidence in 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 what we've just seen today mm. um that Joe can have an accident like that and arguably the one that is a bit more injured because he had to go to hospital was was Alvin who at least on the face of it it was a big impact but it wasn't as dramatic and as terrifying but yeah so huge credit to to the safety devices in formula 1 and, and on these cars and what they've got in place I think there will, obviously, as they do with every serious accident, there will be a full review into how this happened and, and, and how they can improve it in the, in the future. And as Kev said there, if it's going to be assessing that gravel trap, assessing the roll hoop, 
and the distances between the various barriers and the, and the fences that will be looked into but I think ultimately it's probably the almost the best well, it's definitely the best outcome but it's like probably mm. the safest outcome that almost could have could have could have happened mm. um so yeah uh terrifying at the time thankfully yeah. they were they were okay really and I, I also think that you know martin sort of mentioned their freak accident uh and but that's the way that's pretty much the only way now that you would kill a racing driver in a modern racing car and and you know because the days of going off and, and flying into a stone wall or a lamppost and stupid things that they used to have to put up with before jackie stewart came along and the, and the safety crusade began uh you know they've narrowed the, the type of accident down that could be fatal and now it is these freak accidents that all these safety things that hayden's just discussed you know it's it's making sure that even when that freak accident happens We've covered all the bases. We've got a halo to protect the driver's head. We've got all these other things to prevent there being you know, serious injury and, and a fatality. And I think that the halo in particular has proved its worth you know, time and time again. And it's actually not that long. Well, into 2018 it came in, didn't it? So it's what we're into the fifth season. I think it's proved its, uh, you know, proved its worth several times over. Yeah, massively. And, uh, you know, we say about a freak accident. I say a freak accident. But in, in, in many ways, those ones that stick in your mind are because exactly. they're the, they are they're the spectacular ones whether that is you know brundle in australia in 96 whether it's mark weber taking off uh whether it's um and, and then and then other accidents as well that that i feel that today in a different era would have been one of those days where we are talking about a somber moment in motor racing uh, because of the, the the you know the the, the freak surround uh, events that surrounded Jules Bianchi. You could do that a thousand more times and you can't do it again. And, 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 you know, marshals, uh, there was a marshal lost their life in Canada behind one of the vehicles as it, as it was reversing, uh, uh, camera people have lost their lives being in those camera towers. They're all freak accidents. Again, I just say, I cannot believe we're talking about two drivers, a big Albon, uh, impact and a big Joe, more spectacular impact, and both of them are perhaps fine. And that's the point. I think freak accident used to be used as an excuse. Oh, it's a freak accident. We can't possibly have done anything about this. You know, that was just the way it goes. And now we go, well, that was a freak accident. And um, what can we learn from it to make sure that when another freak accident happens, someone doesn't die or get seriously injured? And it's it's changed the it's changed the focus of a freak accident. Um, uh, and that's and that and that's a good thing. You know, that's that's probably been. Yeah, it's been a big push from the FIA really since the you know terrible weekend of of, of Imola in nineteen ninety four, and that but that push has you know continued and um, and and you know, it has to. You are the man behind Also Sport magazine that we all read every Thursday. You've now got uh, the luxury of plenty of images to pick from. Uh, for your magazine next week. Uh, the hard work's started today. You know, you're already reading copy and tomorrow you have to um, sit down and, and work out front covers and things like that. What can we look forward to in Autosport magazine next week? Um, well, all of that will be there, of course, but I think um, we've got to give science the cover. You know, he's been, uh, I think that's it. It's a, it's a feel-good story and he's, yeah, he's gone out and he's, he's won the Grand Prix. So I'll be looking for some nice celebratory pics of a sort of at last... <laughs> Uh, for for Carlos, and then obviously we'll be going into the, the ins and outs of all the things we've discussed 
the uh, Ferrari tactical <laughs> tactical gaffes, um, and uh, yeah, and and of course all the reports from uh, around uh, around the rest of motorsport as well. We've got you know Formula E. We're looking at the uh, the Kenyans as well. That, that uh, the locals that starred on the Safari Rally recently. Tom Howard has spoken to them. So yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be packed packed full of the usual. But uh, yeah, we've got a got a bit of work to do over the next forty eight hours before we can bring that to you. And then just out of interest, uh, obviously the TV coverage doesn't show the protesters that made their way on to the track. And that's a right thing. TV shouldn't cover it. But in the day, in these days of social media, um, I saw all of that unfolding in real time. I guess you could go back if you've got F1 TV, you can go back and look at all the different onboards and then you get an exact point of when the, the dash light went red and the red flag was thrown. And uh, I've seen a couple of the onboards as well. And, you know, they're near the track and the cars are going at, at, at speed. How much coverage, if any, do you give people like that? Because they're there to raise awareness. Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel have given sympathies towards them because they both believe in the right to protest, if not in that way. Now, where do you stand on on giving extra fuel to that fire, if you like, bringing attention to them? No, I think it's something that you something you report on i'm not sort of very comfortable with ignoring things completely because uh, that's kind no. of getting into censorship realms isn't it but i think it needs to be handled with i mean i think actually uh, seb and lewis had quite a sensible take on it really um yes i agree with the right to protest yes what they're protesting about is perfectly valid and something for discussion but no walking onto a track where racing cars are going past 200 miles an hour is not the way to do it um and but I mean it's the sort of jumping off point really where we should be talking about F1 having synthetic fuels and the hybrid systems mm. and pushing the green agenda. Um, and this is what you know this is what people like Hamilton I think they get. You know we've got it. It's got to be in Vettel. Yeah, it's, it's got to be that message. It can't just be we can't just allow this idea that we're just going around burning lots of fossil fuels um, for our own enjoyment. You know it's got to be more uh, econ- you know, environmentally conscious than that. And um, so it's a, it's definitely a discussion worth having, and I think Lewis and Seb have done well to make sure that it is had. But that, but yeah, walking onto a walking onto a racetrack. I mean, I I, I said to Alex, you know, the, I think these these people need to be shown a video of the Tom Price accident from the nineteen seventy seven South African Grand Prix, which yeah. is absolutely horrendous, horrific thing when a marshal got hit by Price's shadow and the fire extinguisher killed Price and the, the marshal was killed. It's horrible, and yeah, r- racing cars and human the human body and not a not good a good mix so not not the best way to protest i would suggest mm. and, and you know i would offer as well the opinion that i own i've owned three we have two electric cars in our driveway uh we sold a renault zoe a couple of weeks ago and and we drive electric cars day in day out because we charge we got solar panels at home so i haven't been to a petrol station in you know in many years that i'm jealous <laughs> especially the price of the minute right um yeah. but that Surely is where I am interested in where we go, right? The cars that we take for a pint of milk and do the commute on a Monday morning, maybe you're listening to this in your car right now, let's get those not emitting emissions. Let's get freight transport and all those things, electric or zero emissions. But we don't ride horses to work anymore because of the motor car, but we still ride horses. And I'm the biggest proponent. For I, I'm living this life, driving an electric car, and I agree with it in principle. But if in 20 years' time we're still burning something to go watch motor racing, well, we still ride horses, right? But I understand it's a it's a halo, um, you know, in terms of people look up to it, and it has to lead the way. But 
I, you know, if we if we're still burning stuff in twenty years time, let's fix the ninety nine percent, and then yeah, if we still do some stuff, it's not going to cause global warming. And and I'm I'm the person saying that anyway. I uh, disagree with me if you want. Feel free to email podcast at autosport and say you're an idiot. Um, uh, uh, Hayden, no, we, I just we, think we, you, wow. <laughs> I, I, I'll write right straight away. Yeah, why not? No, it's um. I mean, this topic is definitely a whole podcast in itself, and I appreciate we, we've been babbling on for far too long already, but um, I definitely think that the discussion is being is there. This, this is the thing. It's Ironically, F1 literally launched its synthetic and, and renewable fuels from 2026 last week, like gave an update on mm. its progress. There's, there, there's Renewable fuels are literally in the pipeline, um, and, and, and Formula 1 is... is looking to promote these other things it's not as if they're they're ignoring this now granted it is not the greenest of sports but it's not ignoring these issues and there is action as well as words coming so yeah, yeah it i feel like green uh, you can't make you can't make nascar green nascar's always going to be loud no, but and, I, and but i think event bernie otherwise there's no nascar but I think eventually those things will die. Like they will become increasingly unacceptable. Yeah. So if we want to have motorsport, which obviously I'm assuming that everyone both on and listening to this <laughs> podcast does, um, otherwise you've made it well into this debate with, uh, um, you've done well. But um, I, I think uh, you, so. It's got it, it's got to be you know it's it's got to re- it's got to respond. But the uh, but the thing that that is kind of great about motorsport is that we can test out all lots of different solutions. You know the the only thing the only thing better for pushing technology forward um than than sport is is war and obviously that's got some other rather nasty side effects so um you know sport is a great place to develop these i remember speaking to an engineer and saying look what do you think a couple of engineers actually and saying what do you think the solution is and they said well it's we need to push on all fronts you know we need to be doing electric we need to be doing hybrid we need to be doing synthetic fuels there's hydrogen coming to le mans because we don't know which of these will be the solutions for various things in the future you know there are absolutely millions and millions of cars around the world that do burn fossil fuel you're not just going to suddenly turn them into electric cars overnight um so they need to put something else in them and that's where synthetic fuels comes in and you know paddy lowe has been part of developing um you know synthetic fuel and i think formula one can be very much part of that solution and then it's not only is it something that we all can enjoy it also is part of the you know it is part of the answer um so it's a it's a win-win i think to be yeah, it, it's much better than just sticking your head in the sand, which is why it is a bit frustrating to get the protest, as Hayden says, the, the same week that they've already announced something. couple of cracking races back to back. British Grand Prix, Silverstone and Hayden. We head off to Austria in just a few days' time. Looking forward to that one. Oh, thrilled. Who, who doesn't love the rebel ring? Uh, no, it just should be a good race. I'm, I'm saying that sarcastically. It came, it came like very It did sound yeah. quite sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. I honestly didn't mean that at all. Don't <laughs> come for me, people. No, no it's a great track. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good track. It's exciting. Obviously, Red Bull's home race. Yeah. Um, we've had a few good uh, encounters there in the past. So, yeah, I'm sure Red Bull and Max Verstappen in particular were looking to strike back. They've, they, did, they have previously run very well there. So, uh, yeah, I put them in favourites already. Yeah, Leclerc and Ferrari's target for next weekend will be get that car into second between Verstappen and Perez. 
that is a, a damage yes. limitation. Unless, of course, you get a crazy wet race and all sorts of shenanigans happen. But uh, I think that's got to be the it's got to be the target is to minimise the points loss. Well, stay tuned to Autosport.com, uh, which is Hayden's territory, and uh, all the latest breaking news. Um, I, nothing's really broken while we've been recording this podcast for the last hour. Um, I think it's been confirmed it was a front wing end plate from one of the Alpha Tauris that uh, scuppered Max Verstappen uh, to be the specific on the part that got him. Um, and make sure you, if you are not subscribed to Autosport magazine, you can do, and it'll drop through your letterbox. And if not, you can grab it in the shops, uh, and you can uh, read all about it and see some. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be some amazing images from the British Grand Prix Autosport magazine out next week. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you are on iTunes or your phone or your Android or uh, uh, iPad, rather, uh, you can jump into iTunes, leave a few words, a little star rating. Always helps the show. You can contact Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Contact us podcast at autosport.com with any questions you want the team to answer uh, about anything that you've heard today. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa. Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah. You can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.